if you have space to hear somebody out or to hear someone and like to carry something with them, that is such a gift to give to somebody to be able to say like, Hey, I can, I can sit with you and I can hold this with you. This is hard. This is something that I see that you're dealing with right now. And it's also important to recognize when we don't have the space to do that. Hello and welcome to the podcast, to another episode of Queerly Overthinking. My name is Adam Harper, and in today's episode, I'm going to be sharing my thoughts on two books I just finished reading. The first book is Aragon by Christopher Paolini, and the second is the memoir by Jeanette McCurdy titled I'm Glad My Mom Died. Not only will I be sharing highlights from each book that really stood out to me, I'm going to dive into a newfound love that I have of reading more books and the goal that I have with that this year. So with that, let's get started. Alrighty y'all, I'm really excited for this episode specifically because I was wanting to talk about not only my excitement around these two books, but also why I felt so empowered by these books and this goal that I have to read more this year. And when I was a a young lad, you know, (laughs) uh, in elementary school, I used to love to read and I love being able to fall in love with a story or fantasy. Um, And I'm sure most avid book readers feel the same. And for whatever reason, I fell out of reading more regularly for entertainment. And, you know, over the years, I've found myself only really reading for assignments, for work, for the news, etc. But late last year, I just had the thought that, you know, I want to make a goal for myself to finish at least two books every quarter in 2023. And... I firmly believe audiobooks count. (laughs) Um, My goal is to uh, have audiobooks that gear more towards nonfiction titles to listen to, and then I want to have fictional books be actual like hardcover paperback books that I can hold while I read. But as someone who not only works through like like myself, I work through high functioning anxiety. And as I'm sure many can relate, it takes a lot of effort to read something that is, let's say fiction and immerse myself in that world while my brain is also processing uh, the words that I'm reading. So it's kind of like a combination of anxiety in trying to process something, but then also attention and maybe getting distracted and just a combination of, of, of so many things. <laughs> but I also kind of chalk it up to the fact that I haven't really used my imagination in a while, um, as nowadays the content that I'm reading doesn't necessarily require it. But to better bolster that ability, I've not only decided to purchase the paperback copies of the fictional books that I'm reading, but I'm also getting the audiobook to allow someone to read it with me. And when I shared this with my therapist, I appreciated the validation that they gave me in finding a new way to approach a challenge in my life that 
helps me reach my goal. And they also encourage me that, you know, perhaps in time, I maybe won't need to have somebody be reading the book with me as I'm reading it, which I wholeheartedly agree. Um, I, I'm, I hope that at some point I'm able to do that. But for now, I'm having fun, you know, and in the meantime, like, as I continue to dive into it further, I, I've really been enjoying being able to more easily immerse myself into a book with the help of an audiobook. Those are my initial thoughts and experience and goal for myself to really just get back into reading more for, for fun. You know, like I, I feel like we read so much about the news these days and it's kind of depressing, honestly. And I, I want to build up my imagination again. You know, I want to have more adventures in my head from reading a book and to read the stories and the worlds that authors have created for us to read. So with Jeanette McCurdy's book, um, I'm going to share a brief just synopsis or like just description of it that I found online. Um, in the memoir, Jeanette McCurdy discusses her childhood as a successful childhood actress, including a strained relationship with a producer described only known as the creator, uh, her brief foray into a country music career and the troubled and controlling relationship she had with her mother, Deborah, who died from cancer in 2013. The book is divided into two sections, Before and After, which describes the events of her life before and after the death of her mother. I was familiar with Jeanette McCurdy from her role as Sam Puckett on the hit TV show on Nickelodeon, iCarly. Um, aside from that and her career on television, I never really followed her career aside from the occasional headline over the years. And granted, this was like mid 2000s, late 2000s, early 2010s, I think. Um, it wasn't until recently, I think in the last few years, when I learned more so about her upbringing and that she was raised Mormon. And it piqued my interest to learn a little bit more if she was still Mormon or not. And, you know, if she like had left the church or not and such. And as I've shared in previous episodes, um, I was raised Mormon and it fascinates me to learn of public figures who were also raised in the church. And I want to hear their story if they are still part of the church or not and what their reasons are for either staying or leaving. Y'all, this book is heavy. Like, for me, like, kind of jaw-droppingly heavy. There were moments in the car that I was listening to this, because I purchased the audiobook for this nonfiction title, um, where I physically gasped in the car several times as Jeanette was recounting memories from her upbringing, from interactions that she had with her mom, um, with her siblings, with friends, with people in the entertainment industry. It was just like almost one thing after another sometimes. Um, but it was fascinating to see how as a child, she was kind of finding those pieces of joy in life, despite it being incredibly difficult. Um, when you mix the pressures of fame and parental evaluation and religion, all of those pressures, that is like a storm right there. And it is not surprising to me that it has taken so much time to unpack and to come to a place where she's now like being open about it. And mind you, a lot of people don't 
get to that point where they feel like they want to be open about it or talk about it. I mean, some people, you know, can get to a point where they can move forward with it. Some people are still stuck in that. Um, So it's incredible to see how she has progressed over time um, to come to a point where she feels comfortable being so vulnerable and open about it. And she really does. She gets super personal um, with not only her thoughts and her feelings, but bluntly sharing her opinion on how she was viewing life at the time and viewing her relationships at the time. And for me, as someone who feels a lot of emotions, someone who I, I take on other people's emotions sometimes, sometimes without realizing it, I've had to be better at preparing myself and being like in a good place to continue listening, not only to her book, but also just in my continued interactions um, with the world uh, and such. Like for someone like me who it's really easy for me to take on someone's emotion or to try to carry that with them. I've had to practice kind of putting in like a mental protection around my well-being so that way I can genuinely show up as the best version of myself. Um, So in a sense, while I was listening to this book, I had to be in a good space to listen to it. I'm continuing to work on that and build upon that, that kind of protection for my emotions and my well-being because I'm someone who tends to people please a little bit and in some instances I just I I needed to be ready to hear her story but make sure that I was ready to take that on in a way which I feel like that's important for all of us to consider I think if you have space to hear somebody out or to hear someone and to carry something with them that is such a gift to give to somebody to be able to say like, Hey, I can, I can sit with you and I can hold this with you. This is hard. This is something that I see that you're dealing with right now. And it's also important to recognize when we don't have the space to do that, when we need to take a step back and be like, Hey, I need a minute. I have a lot going on right now. Or I, maybe if you don't have a lot going on right now, if you just don't have the capacity to, to hold that with somebody, like being able to effectively communicate that it's hard it takes practice to be able to do that and that's something i'm still practicing all things considered what i learned from listening to this book was that people go through some incredibly difficult things in life and we need to have more compassion patience and understanding jeanette essentially became a master at hiding what was happening to her i know that there are so many others who have been going through something similar to her story Thinking back on the title, I'm reminded that grieving and moving forward in life is so different for everyone. Speaking to this specific title, I'm glad my mom died. I know people who not only grieve immensely the passing away of a significant individual in their life, but also a wave of relief that comes. This is a relatively new concept for me. I've been learning about this, and it is really fascinating to see how such different emotions can exist in someone at the same time. One emotion may linger longer than another, but obviously there's no rule book or guideline to that. There shouldn't be any expectation on how we're expected to act or feel when we're going through a big life moment. Um, And I feel like Jeanette tells an incredible story of how she's been processing and working through that. 
on a side note to that, I've talked about this with my therapist too, about how you can't really prepare for big emotional things that are bound to happen in life. And you just have to kind of trust yourself that you are going to be the version of yourself in that moment and to have grace with yourself that you're allowed to feel whatever feeling comes to you in that moment and to just not put any pressure around yourself within that, to feel like you have to move forward at any pace, to show any progress at any pace. Um, I think it's really hard when people put that level of pressure on themselves. It doesn't happen overnight. Like feeling your feelings is not a minute, an hour, a day kind of situation. And nobody should ever expect you to, to do that. I feel like Jeanette, you know, it, it takes so much courage for her to be so vulnerable like this. And one of her later chapters, she starts to choke up while reading. And in that moment, I just felt like you could just hear the duality of those emotions in her voice. I definitely recommend this book um, for anybody who may be interested in uh, listening to it or purchasing a copy. Um, I do feel like it's very relatable and understandable. Like she tells such a compelling story of her life. And I definitely hope that if you check it out, let me know. I'd love to hear your thoughts, but I'm gonna pivot into the next book that I've been reading. Okay, I am really excited to talk about this next book as well, Aragon by Christopher Paolini. Um, this is actually a book I already had in my little library that um, I have have in my apartment. I have like, you know, a handful of, of books, whether they be uh, graphic novels or um, old textbooks and such. So surprisingly, I had this one already. Uh, but I purchased the audiobook to listen along with it as it is my fictional story that I wanted to do that with, as I've already shared my process with that now. <laughs> um, but here is a brief synopsis if you haven't already read it or if you know anything about it already or not. Um, this is what I found online. So Aragon is a young adult fantasy novel written by Christopher Paolini. It was first published in 2002 and it is the first book in the Inheritance Cycle series. The book tells the story of a young farm boy named Aragon who discovers a mysterious blue stone while hunting in the spine, a dangerous mountain range. The stone eventually hatches, revealing a dragon that Aragon names Sephira. Aragon and Sephira are soon pursued by the evil king Galbatorix and his minions, and they must learn to control their newfound powers and navigate a dangerous world filled with magic, dragons, and ancient legends. I first read this book, I believe in middle school, and I was just captivated by the story from the very beginning. And I remember in middle school, we had like, like I checked out these things from the library. They were like little MP3 players that only had one track on it, which was the audiobook. Um, I remember not only reading the book, but also listening to it on my bus ride home. And I felt connected to the story as I, resonated with the characters both like physically and emotionally and um having to like face the world on their own and to carve out their own path and everything you know like everything you would want in a story like this um kind of maybe the ideology of people who have to grow up 
quickly to learn to like not only take care of themselves, but to face the challenges ahead. In their own way, I feel like they find that power to move forward in life through the trial that they're working through and to help evolve themselves into the next best version of themselves. And so I really resonated with that whole theme and ideology. And I love this book. I remember not a lot about like more so the ending as I did remember the beginning. I'll dive into that in a minute. But what stood out specifically was just how this plucky young boy from Carvajal um, transforms into a young dragon rider, seeing the journey that he went on and the relationship that is built between Aragorn and Saphir in this first book. I love her attitude. She's so sarcastic sometimes. It's kind of fun because the relationship they have kind of reminds me of, you know, when I was younger, maybe a relationship I had with like a stuffed animal per se, because I never had a pet growing up. Like we, we had pet birds, but I didn't really build a relationship with a bird. I also appreciate the relationship between the storyteller Brom and Aragon and the lessons learned from that of like, it's okay to slow down and it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to not always think you know everything and that mastery of a skill set takes time and practice. That <laughs> that conflicts with my inner perfectionist a little bit because my inner perfectionist doesn't always agree with that, but you know, we're working on it. I think what helped me remember a lot about this book was that there was a movie in fact made from the book. And if I'm being honest, the movie is not the greatest. It's the classic tale of the book was better than the movie. Um, but having just finished the book recently, uh, because I was really excited to record this episode of the podcast to talk about it. I actually rewatched the movie again for the first time in a long time last night. And it almost felt like they were jumping 10 chapters like every five minutes. I really felt like they missed the mark on so many details in the book from the way that people were described and their appearance and how people interacted with one another, even the method of how certain characters, like, certain characters die and too many marks I feel like were missed for the level of content that they had to refer to and I don't know what their budget looked like but it looked like it was a you know for a, a mid 2000s film I, f I feel like they had enough of a budget to actually try to hit the mark but if you had never read the book you probably would have enjoyed the movie just <laughs> having read the book and then going through the movie and seeing like, no, that's not how that's supposed to happen. No, that didn't happen. No, where are they going? No, what, what? <laughs> it, it was just this constant, like, what is going on? I think what I enjoyed most about the movie though was the visual effects. It was really cool to see Saphira as, you know, a living, breathing dragon in visual effects. The music was actually really good. I love a good composition of music in a film. What, Strikes me, though, is that when you think about the book The Hobbit, let's say, for example, and the length of that book compared to the length of Aragon, I think The Hobbit is like half the size of the book of Aragon, and yet The Hobbit has three movies depicting it, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I personally feel like there's so much that they could have done with Aragon alone. Yes, there's like four books, but they literally could have split Aragon into three different movies. But again, that was early to mid-2000s. I don't know what 
was like back then being in the movie industry by any means. But that's just a thought. I will say that I am also typically not somebody who dives into medieval period content. I'm not <laughs> super big into wizards and dragons and elves and knights in shining armor and castles. Um, you know, I, I never really got into Lord of the Rings or, um, what else is there? Uh, Game of Thrones. I never really got into like Dungeons and Dragons, although that movie's coming out soon. Um, and I am kind of excited to see that one actually, but hopefully, hopefully it's good. Um, I'm definitely much more of a futuristic sci-fi person myself, but for whatever reason, you know, if something gets me, it gets me. And this book got my attention and, um, I just had the second book delivered. Uh, I believe it's titled Eldest. Um, oddly enough, I had book one and three in my little book collection over here, but I never had two or four. So I think it's because I checked out the second book at like either my local library for however long I read it. Um, and then I purchased the third book, but never actually finished it. Um, so I'm excited to pick it all up. What can I say? I am excited to relive this series and perhaps unlock some core childhood memories as I continue reading through. To wrap things up this episode, I found a quote that stood out to me by Carl Sagan. He said, a book is made from a tree. It is an assemblage of flat, flexible parts, still called leaves, imprinted with dark, pigmented squiggles. One glance at it and you hear the voice of another person, perhaps someone dead for a thousand years. Across the millennia, the author is speaking, clearly and silently, inside your head, directly to you. It is perhaps the greatest of human inventions, binding together people, citizens of different epochs, who never knew one another. Books break the shackles of time, proof that humans can work magic. Well, thank you again for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed taking a minute on reflecting why reading has become a new passion for me. And perhaps this has sparked an interest in you for finding new ways to approach reading that perhaps make it a more enjoyable or immersive experience. If you've got a minute, I would certainly appreciate if you would write a positive review about the podcast on whatever platform you may be streaming on. But thanks again for listening and I'll see y'all in the next one. Queerly Overthinking is produced by Adam Harper and Cass Cooper. It is edited by Adam Harper with audio mixing by Necessary Outlet Productions. You can follow Queerly Overthinking on Instagram at Queerly Overthinking and find more at www.queerlyoverthinking.com.